This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee and this is Campaign Catch-Up. There's just three days to go till the 2022 federal election. It's Wednesday the 18th of May. Today, political editor Catherine Murphy joins me to talk about why the latest polls are showing Labor's lead over the coalition is falling. But first, here's what you need to know. Prime Minister Scott Morrison's been doing more TV interviews than usual to try to reach as many undecided voters as possible. Last night, he was grilled on a current affair about his government's record on everything from women's rights to bushfires over the last three years. In the interview, Morrison admitted that his comment that he doesn't hold a hose during the Black Summer bushfires was not helpful. And he said that he wished he'd rolled out COVID vaccines quicker than he did, with the help of the coordinator of the National Vaccine Task Force, Lieutenant General John Fruin. General Fruin, if I'd been able to bring and militarise the uh, vaccine um, rollout earlier, we did it in May, Um, we were doing it through the health department first. If we'd uh, done that earlier, then I think that would have made a, a, a difference, as it certainly did when he became involved. But Morrison stood by his decision not to attend the Women's March for Justice rally outside Parliament House. He was repeatedly pressed to answer how he would actually fulfil his promise to move away from being a self-described bulldozer. So where are you going to not be a bulldozer if you win this election? Where are you actually going to change? I mean, why have you said that you're going to change when you've just basically said that everything you've done has been okay? Now, what I'm saying is, is that the times have required that level of strength. And what I've said, Tracy, is that in the next period we're going into, where we're seeking to realise the opportunities we've been setting up, there has been a need for these types of approaches. And there will continue to be in many instances going forward. And today, for the first time in this campaign, Morrison finally faced questions at his daily press conference about how the coalition would manage Australia's future response to the pandemic. Transmission rates in the world, one of the highest COVID transmission rates, We're approaching 6,000 deaths so far this year. Mm. Was a decision taken that this is an acceptable number? And if not, what are you doing to stop 50 deaths from COVID a a day in Australia? Morrison said that every death was a terrible loss and tried to cast doubt over how many people recorded as having died with COVID had actually died from COVID. The PM said he'd continue to follow medical advice, which didn't include a fourth booster, and put in place a winter preparedness plan. But the PM didn't mention any further measures to bring down current COVID infection and death rates. Australia has one of the lowest death rates from COVID anywhere in the world. Instead, he said that we're living with COVID now and suggested he would oppose any state premiers who sent people back into lockdown in the face of future variants. I'll tell you, that's not what I'm going to do if I'm re-elected on Saturday. I'm not going to drag Australia back into those times again. Labor leader Anthony Albanese was also asked about COVID at the National Press Club in Canberra. He said he would seek a briefing as early as next week to form a national strategy that takes into account the current number of hospitalisations and infection rates. We need to uh, continue to be vigilant and recognise that this pandemic is still having a real human impact. Scott Morrison declined the National Press Club's invitation. He's the first Australian PM in 50 years to do so before an election. Instead, he delivered his final address to the Australia-Israel Chamber of Commerce. And the ABS announced wages rose 0.7% this quarter, well behind the inflation rate of 5.1%. A fall of 2.7%. What a hit. 
This delivers the biggest cuts to real wages in more than 20 years. Under Scott Morrison, real wages are plummeting while the costs of living are skyrocketing. Morrison didn't hold a press conference on the wage announcement, but in his speech, he blamed it on global inflationary pressures, stressing that no government could change them. Coming up, Catherine Murphy is here to discuss why the polls are tightening. Hi, Murph. Hello, Jane. There's only a few days to go now before the election. Guardian Essentials' latest poll says that Labor's four-point lead over the coalition has tightened to two points over the last fortnight. Mm -hmm. And it says that the opposition's now on 48% against the coalition on 46%. Why do you think this is happening at this late stage, Murph? Yeah, there has been a little bit of a tightening on two-party preferred the primary votes of the major parties haven't moved in our poll, but the thing has become a bit tighter. This always happens in the last week of the election because what happens in the final week of the election and often right down to polling day is the bunch of folks, uh, voters who are out there who don't yet know who they're voting for, start to make a decision. That's why the poll tightens because the undecideds are starting to firm up. All of the polls at this point suggest that Labor still maintains its advantage. Now, I'm expressing that quite carefully, Jane. I'm not saying Labor is in front. I'm saying Labor maintains an advantage because the key number in these polls is not the national two-party preferred number, which we all hang our hats on. The key metric to look at in polls is the number of undecided voters because it is that cohort who determine the result right? So all we can say at the moment is Labor has maintained its advantage. What all these polls tell us, particularly with this late tightening, is that this contest is very close. But certainly in our poll, the movement in Scott Morrison's favour happened after the Liberal Party launch. So I wonder what it is about the Liberal Party launch that you think might have swayed some undecideds? What the Prime Minister has done in these final days is try and send a signal to undecided voters that he's capable of changing. So people who are really struggling with the idea of voting Liberal because of Scott Morrison, right, like I just find him irritating, I can't stand him talking anymore, I'm going to have to turn the television off if I hear that man say one more word, right? What he's saying to those soft votes is... I can change. I won't be as abrasive and obnoxious as you've sometimes seen me be in the last term of government. That was an important signal to send to soft voters. So he sent that. Then he's also just fixed in on this home ownership, which is one of the most salient issues in the community at the moment. Everybody's worried about it. He's presenting people with a very simple solution, Murph says in air quotes, to how housing may become more affordable to people because he's, he's basically appealing to uh, people's frustration that they can't get a deposit together, they can't save enough in order to do that. You know, some people in decent jobs, young people, will be looking at their super and saying, oh, God, if only I could get my hands on a little bit of that, that would help me with my house deposit, right? So, He's, he's got a very, very simple message targeted at a very specific group of voters who he's hoping to move out of sort of soft affirmation for the Liberals to positive affirmation. That's his only job this week, 
is to try and push those undecideds his way. That's all he's interested in in these dying days. He's not going to take any risks. He's not going to subject himself to an hour-long grilling at the National Press Club in Canberra, for example, because then he's all of a sudden spouting multiple messages rather than two. He did allow himself to be grilled by the brilliant Channel 9 broadcaster Tracy Grimshaw, but that tells you a lot. It tells you who is he trying to speak to. He's talking to her viewers He is literally assuming the most aerodynamic form he can in order to get to polling day with his preferred messages and it is going to be a dialogue between him and the voters he thinks he needs to speak to. Sure. Whereas Anthony Albanese in the closing stretch, it's all a bit cluttered right? Uh, You know, he's had a couple of press appearances where journalists have been shouting at him about where's your costings. So whatever message he had wanted to get out on that day has been clubbed by the where are your costings, you know, shouting fests on the campaign trail. Um, Even today at the National Press Club, Anthony Albanese uh, gave his final address there. And I think actually a very strong performance today across a range of issues. Well, Sarah's been on the pod before and said that there's a week is a long time in politics, as I'm sure you've said <laughs> at, at some stage, Murph. But there's only two more days before yeah. Election Day. Uh-huh. Today we saw real wages fall and tomorrow there'll be the latest unemployment figures and Labor's policy costings will finally be announced. Could these sort of stories over the next couple of days make a difference to the votes that we're seeing? I think for some people, yes, because some undecided voters, uh, you know, are undecided and engaged, if that makes sense, right? Uh, Because particularly in this election, in terms of our vox pops with voters around the country, there there are loads of people saying, normally I'm a Liberal, but I just can't stand Scott Morrison, or people saying, normally I'm a Labor person, but I'm really into what some of those independents, you know, seem to be talking about. And Albanese's platform's not very ambitious and so I'm really into that, right? So there will be some undecided voters who are genuinely equivocating right up until the last, right? Mm. For other Australians who don't give a rats about politics, are not interested, there's nothing you can do to make them interested, those people are just going to stroll into the polling booth, flip a coin, boom, there it is. But I reckon there are quite a few voters. This is the only instinct. There's quite a few voters out there in this contest who are genuinely equivocating, like progressive types thinking, oh, I know I should vote Labor because Morrison might win, but I really like Zoe Daniel or, you know, like people like that. How important are those few remaining votes, though? Critical because the polls suggest, look, and the polls, sorry, the only thing we've not said in this conversation, Jane, that we absolutely should have said is these polls could all be bollocks. <laughs> these polls could all be a, all be absolutely wrong, it's true. right? But let's just assume they're not. Let's assume they're they're right within a margin of error, right? Points to a very tight result. So, yes, these every vote will count. Every vote will determine, you know, the stripe of the next government of Australia. Uh, and, and it's close enough for, to, to throw up different scenarios, <laughs> a, a majority government of one or other stripe or a minority government where both of these leaders are basically trying to put together sufficient votes on the floor of the House to survive a confidence, a test of confidence and supply. So the polls do point to it being potentially that close. So, yes, absolutely, these votes will count. The, the remaining votes will, will determine the next government of Australia. 
Thanks so much for your time, Murph. No worries. That's your campaign catch-up for today. And for a deeper dive into the Guardian Essential poll, you can check out Murph's podcast, Australian Politics. On tomorrow's episode, Murph will be discussing the polls with Ebony Bennett from Australia Institute and Essentials Executive Director Peter Lewis. You can find Australian Politics wherever you're listening to this podcast. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria, Alison Chan and me, Jane Lee. The executive producers are Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.